couple places I want you to turn today is Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and you can put a bulletin there, or put a little ribbon if you have it in your Bible, and you can stick your little ribbon marker there, and, uh, and then turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8. Uh, last time we were together, we've been in Romans chapter 8 for a while. Um, you know that as I shared that we, the reason why we are spending so much time in Romans chapter 8, it is a, a phenomenal chapter. It is such a liberating chapter. Um, something that would be you would do well to memorize much of it, if not all of it. Last week, I gave an illustration that I don't know if it just went too long, but it just I almost felt like it didn't really totally resonate with y'all. Um, I thought it was kind of a cool illustration. That was a really good illustration. To me, it was. So if I was just preaching to myself, then so be it. Uh, we didn't get it on record last week. So, um, you know, in light of, of last week, I just want to very quickly just reference something. Remember last week I was talking about uh, uh, the, the new uh, Mustang that is coming out. You remember that? And, and basically I was just making an illustration of saying, hey, there's an old car that's now being made new. Um, it's a 1964 and a half Mustang that they're now being uh, making, you know, um, and they're going to begin to deliver them uh, later on this year. Um, they don't cost what they did before at $2,368. And they're now going to cost about $119,000 uh, for the base model, $122,000 for the convertible. Um, but it's going to resemble a, an old, old vehicle, an old 1964. It's going to look exactly like it rolled off the line back in 1964 and a half, except it's going to be a 2015 model. Now, here's the thing. I used the illustration because it was brand new last week, and I thought it was kind of a cool illustration or a, a cool uh, idea that there, somebody is taking an old you know, vintage car and making it new and putting all the new bells and whistles on it and what have you. But... I think it fits so well into what happens to you and I uh, and, and the understanding um, of us as Christians. Um, those of you who are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, there came a point in your life where you offered your life to Him, where you offered yourself, and you, you asked Christ to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And, and the point being uh, that I was making last week is that as, as this... This fella that uh, uh, by the name of Tom Scarpello actually is the guy who actually has the company Revology, I think is what the name of it is, uh, of his company that is making this new car. He's manufacturing a brand new car for you or for anybody who wants to buy it. Well, here's the thing. Once somebody purchases that car, uh, Tom will give you the pink slip or the title to that vehicle and off you go and now it's your vehicle. Now, every human illustration will break down. And this is one of those things that will break down because inasmuch as I likened us to a vehicle that God created and then gave you and gave me the pink slip or, or the title to your life to say, here, do with it as you will. 
Do with it as you will. I've made you. I'm giving you this pink slip to your life, this title. Do we call it pink slip anymore? No, we don't call it pink slip. I keep using pink slip. That's what we used to... Used to. Do you remember racing for pink slips? Remember that old term? Who remembers racing for pink slips? It's everybody that's old like me probably remembers, you know. Okay. Right. Well, pink slip also used to refer to a title on a vehicle. Somebody, anybody? Got a, what? That's right. That's right. Beach Boy saying about pink slips. So they validated my illustration last week. Now, now I, maybe I understand why you were confused last week. So you're saying he's going to fire us and I don't understand. So, all right. A title. Okay, the title. There you go. The title. <laughs> so here's the thing. God gives you the title. And, and as much as he gives you the title, he says you can do with your vehicle your body, your earth suit, your mind, your soul, your body, whatever you want to do, it's yours. To do with you as you will. You can treat it any way you like. You can drive it hard and fast if you want. You can neglect it and allow it to get really run down and worn out. Don't look at me that way. You can load a pallet of bricks, of worries or of cares in the trunk of your little hatchback. You can lend it out to others. You can even give your title away to someone or something else. You can decorate it with little pretty flowers or even with ink, maybe expressing your devotion to mom or to your latest girlfriend as in a tattoo. I saw a photo of a guy just this last week. Of a, of, he had a tattoo in his arm that was to his girlfriend. Actually, it was to his ex-girlfriend. It was to Gina, and he broke up with Gina. And then he got a new girlfriend, Regina. And so he had her name, her the R and the E, put on the front of Gina. And he's going, hey, man, that's cool. Except it's capital R, small E, capital G, I-N-A, you know. And, and so it's like, it's not Regina, it's like Regina. It's like... Gina version two, you know, it's like, I just thought, man, that's hilarious to me. But back to our story here, you can do with it as you will. There's one catch though, and this is where it breaks down, where we take a human illustration and try to apply it to a heavenly illustration. There's one thing, the one catch to this title uh, that God gives to you, however, and that is that at one day, at the end of your life, you will return your vehicle back to the manufacturer. The Bible says it's un- appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You and I are going to have to one day present our vehicle back to the Lord. Here, this you gave it to me. This is what I did with it. Here, it's back to you again. It's now back to you. But in the meantime... Those of you who are Christians, there came a time in your life where you willingly sold your title back to the manufacturer who was God, right? You sold your life back to him. You said, Lord, I have made a mess of my vehicle. I've made a mess of my life. Or I'm lost with, I'm just lost. I recognize that without you, 
I have no eternal life. Without you, I have no hope. Without you, I am left to my own resources. And if I'm left to my own resources, I see in your Bible, in your word, that I am going to be lost for eternity. And I don't want to be lost for eternity. I want to be right with you. I want to give you my life. I'm going to give you my life. And so you willingly give your life back to the Lord. And yet the Lord looks at that and he says, I bought you at a price. I gave you, I bought you at a price. I gave you the opportunity to give your life back to me, but I had to do it by purchasing it. How did Christ purchase your life? Anyone? On the cross. With what? What was the, what was the denomination? It was his blood, right? His blood was shed for you and I. That's what he purchased you and I with. Simply, and and this is kind of the weird part of this illustration, he bought you but didn't force you to come to him. He bought you, but he didn't say, you have to give me your title. You can continue to live with your title. But I can tell you this, if you don't give me your title back, I bought you. There will be, you will answer for your own vehicle. But here's the thing. I have made a way to where you don't have to answer for your vehicle. I went to the cross. I purchased your title back. And, and so here we as Christians, we willingly sold our title back to the manufacturer who is God. He actually gave us, when we came to him, a new and improved model, right? All of, we understand that, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, I think is what it is. It says that if any man is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so you used to be this, but now you are this when you come to Christ. This is who you were when you, before, when you came in the doors or when you got into that conversation with that individual or when you went to that crusade or when you went to that church or whether you were sitting around a table discussing you know, God with someone else who led you to Christ. You came into that room holding your own title, holding your own life. And then when you got into that discussion, when you heard that, when you heard that, that sermon or when you heard that person declaring to you who God is, you, you said, wait a minute. I can't save myself. I need Christ. I need God to save my soul. I want to willingly give my life back to him because he purchased my soul. And so you did that. You willingly gave your, sold your title back. You gave your title back to the Lord. And when you did that, you, you drove out. You walked out. You ran out, however you went out of that room, however you went away from that conversation, you went out with a new and improved model. Old things have passed away. All your sin that you'd ever committed, gone, washed away, washed as clean, as white as snow. And within uh, your life, from that brand new model on, you have a lifetime warranty and a guarantee from the manufacturer that if treated according to the official manufacturer's operating manual you and I this new model that we're living in would last for the rest of your lifetime here on the earth but not only that 
But it would guarantee you a brand new model when your life here on the earth is over. A new model. Yeah, a new model that would put Emmett, Dr. Emmett Brown's souped-up DeLorean. There's like three people who got that. Remember Back to the Future? Remember how, you know, you do? Bob, you remember that? Good. You know how it, how it got up, it hovered up, and the wheels came in, and it flew off into space, you know? Hey, nothing compared to the brand new model that is awaiting you and awaiting me in heaven. New bodies, heavenly bodies, fit for heaven, fit for heaven, for the environment of heaven. And, and so, so with that understanding, with that understanding, if you don't have that relationship, however... If you don't have that relationship with Christ, if you, if you have never given your life to the Lord, well, one day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And you'll hear those words. What did you do with my son? Or you'll hear those words, you know, what did you do regarding the cross? And I, I don't know that those exact words are going to come out. I think that you're just going to know that you, you dismissed the cross. You dismissed Christ. You dismissed the blood that he paid for your sin. The only way to heaven. Jesus said in John, t- John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no man comes to the Father except through me. He says, there's only one way. I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no way into heaven except through God. It'd be like going down if, you know, I don't know when the next time they're going to have a Super Bowl down here at Tampa Bay Stadium or up here in Tampa Bay Stadium. I know that they constantly vie for it and what have you, but if, if, you, if we have it up here this year, let's just say that we have it up here this year, you can go up there, you can go and get a ticket to a concert down here at Van Weasel and take that ticket up to the Super Bowl and say, I've got a ticket. And I want to go in to see the Super Bowl. And they're going to go, oh, great, come on in. Oh, wait a minute, this is the wrong ticket. You bought the wrong ticket. Oh, but it's a ticket and it costs me money and it costs me dearly. Yeah, but it's not a ticket to the Super Bowl. You, you can't be admitted into this place. And you can argue and complain all you want that you spent more money, maybe on that ticket, Whatever ticket you bought, if it wasn't for the Super Bowl, it will be null and void when you go to try to enter into the gates of the Super Bowl. It's the same kind of a thing here in heaven. In heaven, you aren't going to get into heaven based upon good works. You're not going to get into heaven based upon how much money you've given to anybody. You're not going to go to heaven based upon how good of a person you were. You're not going to go to heaven based upon how many times you went to church. That's right. You're here. You might spend your whole life going to church every single week and go, well, that must be good enough to get me into heaven. But you know what? If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to stand before him. And as Jesus will look at you, if you never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And one of the saddest things that I could possibly ever see in life would be someone who spent their whole life in church and never understood or never was introduced to Christ himself. They never allowed themselves to come to a, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. What a sad existence for someone. Well, I did a lot of good in my life. It doesn't matter. 
That's not the, that's not the criteria to get into heaven. The criteria to get into heaven is Jesus Christ and him crucified, right? And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one gets into heaven except through me. You're not getting there any other way. So I don't care what ticket you're buying. I don't care what you think you are going to do to get yourself into heaven. You will not be able to negotiate your way into heaven. You won't get into heaven based upon a relationship that you have with anybody in this room or anybody that you have elsewhere in this world. My mom played at Oregon for a Baptist church for 47 years. That must count for something. And a very good Oregon player she was. Depart from me, I never knew you. Never knew you. You see, it's a personal relationship that we have with Christ. And so those of you who don't have a relationship with Christ... Hey, I'm not so naive as to think that there are those that are sitting in this room that you you may have been coming here for a long time, but you have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I want to make, I want you to be sure if you're going to go to heaven. I want you to be sure that you're going to heaven. Have you truly accepted Christ into your life? Have you truly surrendered your will to his? Are you reading his manual? Are you in his operating book? Or is this too boring for you? Is this not good enough for you? You need something else. And I don't say that as a guilt trip. I say that as a a warning to you and to me, saying, guys, we got to be in this book. Guys, we have to have a relationship with Christ. You think about it. If I don't talk to my wife when I come home, or if my wife doesn't talk to me, it would better be this way. You know? If my wife doesn't talk to me when she comes home and she goes, you're just boring. I don't know what kind of a relationship we have. If every opportunity she gets, she doesn't come home because I'm there. She makes a token trip home once a week. But we're married. That's no marriage. That's no marriage. That, that's, that's anything but a marriage. That's anything but a relationship. And, and so here's the thing. God wants a relationship with us. Here's all of that said, and I just say that warning to you guys who don't have a relationship with Christ. And if you, if you want a relationship, God's there. He wants to give you a lot. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you eternal life through Christ. What He did for you on the cross. And you simply just need to open your heart to Him. You need to recognize your sin has separated you from God. His death on the cross is what will make you near to Him and get you into heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that will wash away all of our sins. Have you accepted that? Not just accepted that, but are you living for Him? Has your life changed? There's called repentance. Repentance is turning away and not doing the things that you formerly did, but you're now doing things for the Lord. Why? Now you're running on His petrol, man. Now you're running on His fuel. If you try to put any other kind of fuel in your vehicle, it's not going to get you anywhere. You must be plugged into the Lord. You must be fueled by Jesus. You must be fueled by the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. If that's you and you want to know Christ, you simply just need to ask him. He can hear you even right now in your seat. You can simply just say, Lord, I've played church or I've, I've played around with my life. My whole life. God, I know I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner. I'm acknowledging my sin before you. And I want to be saved. 
God, I want, I want to have a relationship with you. I don't want to play church anymore. I don't want to play life anymore. I want my life to have purpose. I want my old to be done with, and I want my new to come. Lord, I want a new model. Not simply that, so that I can go strutting around on a new model, but Lord, that I can have true purpose in life, to know, hey God, you created me for something. And it's not what I've been. It's what you're going to make me. And so, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I surrender my title to you. It's yours. I will follow you from this day forward. You say something along those lines. Here's the thing. God knows your heart. Here's the thing. There will be a change in your life. If there isn't a change in your life, they're just simply words. Is a change happen in your life from that point? Do you then become conscious of what the Lord wants you to do? Do you then become, you know, cognitive that God has a plan for your day this day when you wake up in the morning? Do you do you recognize that your day was not created for you, but now it's been created for him? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Those are the verses that we shared last week. And so here's the thing. If you pray that and you live for him, hey, here's the thing. You're going to be going to heaven. That's a cool thing. But you understand that you've given your title back to him. He's given you a new vehicle. So all of that said, beginning in verse 31, he says, knowing that God has chosen you, knowing that God knew you from before the foundation of the world, knowing that God chose you, knowing that you accepted him, knowing that you've been justified, knowing that you've been sanctified, knowing that you've been glorified, here's the thing. What, shall the, what then shall we say to these things? Verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? If I've given my life over to the Lord, if I've recognized who He is, who can ever be against me? He who, God, who didn't even spare His own Son, Jesus, but He delivered Him up for us all, verse 32, how shall He, God, not with Him, Jesus, also freely give us all things? How shall God not give us all things? I mean, if He would give us His own Son to die on a cross... How is it that God would withhold anything from us if it were according to his will? It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a uh, I missed the word again, a rhetorical, thank you. I can't, I have the word comes out of my mouth all the time until I start trying to say it from here. Rhetorical question. It's a rhetorical question that says here, there's nothing that God will withhold from you if it's according to his will. Nothing. And so, Instead of praying according to your will, it's now pray according to God's will because no longer are you driving your vehicle anymore, but now you're driving the vehicle of the Lord. So who shall then, verse 33, bring a charge against God's elect? What does that mean? I understand that, that we, there's conviction. I understand there's conviction when we sin. But if you truly have come to, come to know the Lord and, and you see others that bring conviction towards you and bring charges against you, oh, that person's not a Christian, look at what they've done, look at, what, look at their life, look at this, look at that. Well, here's one good thing. Uh, here's, 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 a, here's a good uh, uh, encouragement. Don't do those things that would bring a reproach upon the name of the Lord. Just don't do them. And when you do them, confess them and, and you know, apologize to those that you've hurt and what have you and move on. But here's the thing that we have a 
huge issue. And, and I think that that pretty much, you know, is, is sufficient to say, listen, if someone is going to bring a church from the outside to, against me, against God's elect, against you, God's elect, if you're a Christian, you know, who cares? Make sure that you haven't done something stupid. And if you have, correct it and, and get on with life. But here's the point that I want to make here today. And here's an issue that I think that we all struggle with. And that is we bring charges against our own self to a point where we become so burdened down with the charges that we bring against us that we, we become non-useful for the Lord any longer because we're constantly bringing charges. Well, I'm this, I'm that. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I've done this and I've done that. God will never use me. God, you know, I, I haven't read my Bible today, so God's not going to use me today. Stop it. Just stop it. Just live for Jesus. Just live for him. Get up in the morning. When you blow it, confess it and move on. We have this ideology in our minds that when we blow it, we have got a certain amount of time that we've got to suffer with that sin before we can actually be joyous with the Lord again. You know what I'm talking about? It's that issue where you've blown it, you've done something you probably you know that you shouldn't have done and you did it anyways. And, and there's a time where you go, oh man, had I blow at that time. Man, how can I even call myself a Christian? Christians don't do that. And, and you know what? If you start having to ask those questions to you or, or making those statements about yourself, then know that you probably shouldn't be doing those things. Stay away from them from that point forward. But here's the thing. Man, I shouldn't have done that. Christians don't do that kind of a thing. And I blew it. Lord, forgive me. God, forgive me. I am so, so sorry. And you go and you repent. You confess. You repent. You turn yourself away from, from that because you've taken God's vehicle into a place that you shouldn't have taken him, whether it be mentally, whether it be physically, whatever, whatever the case may be, you've taken God to where he shouldn't have been. And here's the thing. You go, Lord, I, I, I am so, so sorry. God, I'm sorry. And I, I ask, and maybe you've hurt somebody and you ask their forgiveness whatever the case may be, but you, you and I, we have this tendency, don't we? Maybe I'm just speaking to myself, that we sit there and go, man, this sin was really, really big. This is going to be a good two-weeker before I can really even have the joy of the Lord again. I'm going to have to walk around dragging my knuckles on the ground for a while on this one. I don't mean that there shouldn't be any remorse. I don't mean that there shouldn't be any repentance and some sorrow and mourning in, in, in things that we've done. But here's the thing. We, that's where the accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, loves to tee off on you and I. If he can get us to get down on ourselves, to bring charges against ourselves, then all of a sudden we become useless. We become bench warmers for the Lord. And, and no longer can we be useful for the Lord because... I can't talk to you about the Lord knowing that what I've done. Oh, and, and, and there's an opportunity, maybe 30 minutes from the time that you've presented, you know, your confession and your repentance before the Lord. And you've you've and yet there's an opportunity to go. Yeah, not today. I can't do it today. Not today. I can't do it. And you walk away. And, and it's like the Lord's going, no, stop it. Opportunity. Do it. Go. I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. But man, we sit there and go, yeah, I can't have that. Maybe in a week, when I have put my body or put my mind and mentally anguished over this enough, 
then I should be ready to go. So let me just ask you this. Do you have to be punished for your sin more? Or was Christ's blood sufficient enough? I don't know. Just a question. Do you need to add to the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? If so, start a new church, man. You've got a cult going. Here's the thing. You can't add to the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood paid for all of your sin, past, present, future. Get on with your life. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Not you, because it's not about you anymore, right? If you willingly gave your life to the Lord, you don't even bring a charge against you because you don't longer belong to you. You have been bought with a price by Christ. It's God who justifies, it says. Verse 34, who is he who condemns? Same thing. We condemn ourselves. We condemn ourselves. We condemn ourselves. Paul's saying, Stop it. It's Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. And so if you're getting condemnation from the outside, brush it off, man. If you're doing something stupid, again, stop it and, and make reparations for it and get on with your life. But here's the thing. If, if, if it's you that's doing it, stop it. Repent. You know, Confess it to the Lord. Repent and then move on. And God will continue to use you. That's the cool thing about our relationship with God. We don't have to go back to square one to start all over again. We can start right where we, right where we fell. And we can continue to move forward. It's Christ who died, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And so then Paul goes, listen, who's going to bring a charge? No one. Who can come against us? No one. Who's going to condemn us? No one, not even you. Well, then What? What can separate, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Well, then who can do it? The word separate there in the Greek is korizo, which literally means to put apart, to separate, to sever, or to divorce. To divorce. And here's the thing. There are elsewhere in Scripture where this is referencing divorce, a separation. Uh, John, uh, or Mark chapter 10, you don't have to turn there because I'm running out of time, but Mark chapter 10, it says this, listen, it says this. Uh, Mark chapter 10, Pharisees came and asked Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And, And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? And so they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And verse 5 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote to you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man Carizo, let not man separate, let not man separate or divide or sever or divorce. When God joins it together, God is not going to divorce it. And the point is here in Romans chapter 8 is that God is not going to separate from you. He's not going to separate or divorce you. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will can tribulation do it? No. Can distress? No. How about persecution? Nope. How about famine? Nope. Nakedness? Uh-uh. Peril? Nope. Sword? Nope. Even if you're being forced to, even if an army comes in and tries to force you, can that separate you from the love of God? Can that divorce you from God? No. No, it can't. Paul says, absolutely not. Even, even if an army does come in, listen, as it is written in Psalm 44, he says, for your sake, we're killed all day long. For God's sake, we're going to be killed all day long. And in fact, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter. But Paul says, but, but in all these things, yet yeah, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. He doesn't say we're just conquerors. We're not just victors in this, but he says we're more than victors. Why does he say we're more than? Because we have a future home. We have a God who is on the throne that is running things. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ because of the blood that he shed for us. We have an eternal home in heaven as a believer. And there's nothing that anyone can separate or do to our life to separate or divorce us from that fact. And so Paul says, it doesn't matter whether I live, great. If I die, great. There's nothing you can do to me. In fact, I'm more than a victor in this situation. If you kill me, I'm in heaven. If you let me stay, I'm going to take more people with me. I can't lose. I'm more than a victor. I'm more than a conqueror through Him who loves us, through Christ. It's not something you conjure up. It's through Christ who loves us. Paul says, man, he's just on a crescendo here, man. He is just exploding here. He goes, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to divorce us or separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There was a time, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31 and we'll finish. There was a time Israel was coming into their new land. They were becoming a people. And they were coming into their new land. And Moses was talking to them and and encouraging them and and God was encouraging them. Um, And as they're coming into this new land, it's like they were coming into their own new vehicle that God had given to them. You've been separated. You've been set apart from me. You've been given to me. You're my people, God would be saying to the Israelites. And, and he says, but you don't have to be. Again, God giving the title to the people. Giving them the opportunity to do with it as they will, just like he does to you and I. Here's the thing. Verse 11. You can go with me on this. This command which I command you today, Moses says to the people, it's it's not too mysterious. I'm trying to dumb this thing. I'm not dumb it down. That's the wrong word to say. I'm trying to put this in such simplistic terms that we cannot mistake what it is that God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And how lost, utterly, 
profoundly lost you are if you were to die here today, if you were to die today without the love of Christ, without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you would spend an eternity upon eternity upon eternity in hell separated from God. And there is no recourse for your action. I cannot state that any clearer. You must confess and repent and believe in Jesus Christ or you will not go to heaven. It's the only way. God doesn't make it too mysterious. He doesn't put a lot of roads out there. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one's going to come to the Father except through me. He makes it plain. He makes it simple. He says, it's one way. That's it. It's not many paths. Well, do I have to be a part of the Baptist church? Do I need to be a part of the Mormon church? Do I need to be a part of the Jehovah's Witnesses? Can I be a Muslim? Can I be a Buddhist? Can I be? No, it's through Jesus Christ. It's not Baptist. It's not Calvary Chapel. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's God hanging on a cross for your sin. God becoming a man hanging on a cross for your sin. It's the only way to heaven. And he made it very simple. It's not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not far off for you either. It's not in heaven that you should say, well, hey, back in verse 12 of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, it's not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, well, hey, who's going to go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word, Jesus Christ, is the word. The word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart. You may do it. See, God speaking through Moses, he says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And you know, in a message like this, God has given you the same exact door. I've set before you life and good or death and evil. It's your choice. I've given you the title. Do with it as you will. But be careful of what road you drive on and who you offer that title to. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But there's the other road that you can take if your heart turns away so that you do not hear or and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I announce to you to this day that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth. Moses is crying out like I'm crying out to you right now. I'm calling heaven and earth as a witness to us right now that you have a choice that before you, you are going to drive on a road. Whichever road you're going to drive on, every one of us are driving on a road when we walk out of here today. You're either going to be driving for the Lord or you're going to be driving for Satan. There is no bones about it. I want to make it that plain and that clear. It's your choice which road you're going to be on today. And here's the thing. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose the right road, Moses is saying to you. Choose life. Pastor Don is saying to you, no, just another Christian brother who loves you is just saying to you, choose life. That both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him for he, listen gang, he is your life. He's your life. 
In the length of days, and you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, give to them. Here's the thing. It's a promise that has been given for years and years and years. They were looking forward to the promised Messiah. We look back on when the Messiah came and died on a cross for us. And it's in that that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. We must be saved under Jesus Christ. And so here's the thing. I want you to understand the last things that Moses said in light of our passage in in, uh, Romans chapter 8. He says, Jesus said in John chapter 6, He who the Father gives to me, I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise separate from. I will never leave them and I will never forsake them. The same exact words that Moses speaks to the people as they make their choice. They, he says there in chapter 31, I said 31, I meant in 30. You guys were all messed up, weren't you? You're going, that don't make no sense. But you all did figure out, didn't you? Hopefully. Okay. Hopefully you did. All right. Well, okay. It was Deuteronomy 30. All right. My Bible has 31 up here. If it has any, if 31 shows on this page, it doesn't matter how my Bible is. It's just, I always mess up that way. I apologize. It was actually Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 20. But now in 31, you're there, right? Here's what Moses says, what the Lord says to Moses. He says, verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And as if he needed to reiterate himself, he says also in verse 8, he says, he's the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not, be fear, do not fear or be dismayed. It's the same exact thing he says to Joshua. Joshua, don't turn to the right hand or to the left. Keep your eyes in the book of the word. Keep your eyes in the Word. It's the very next chapter that comes up. Very next book of the Bible. He says, As I was with Moses, God speaking to uh, Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be of strong, be of strong and of good courage. Verse 7 of chapter 1 of Joshua, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all that the law, all that the Word of God says. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book, this Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be of good courage and don't be afraid for, or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And here's the point I'm saying to you and, and, and I'm encouraging you with here today. We have an awesome God who loves us, who has given us will and ability to choose. And in the next few moments, here's what I want to do. I just want to pray. I want to seek God's face. I want us to spend the next 10 minutes spending some time in prayer. I I want you to have a personal time with the Lord in reflection. I'll sing a song. We'll kind of move into to prayer. Maybe I'll lead a little bit. But I want you to pray. I want you to seek God's face. I want you to do kingdom business here today. I want you to spend some time with Jesus, man. Spend some time. Recognize, as Christine was saying in that, mo- in that song, forever. Think about it. Think of the ramifications of that day. 
Heaven and earth were moved for you for that day. Simply that you can choose which road you're going to go on today. It's the last time you thank God for giving you purpose, for giving you life, for saving your soul. And I'm just saying that just as a, as a brother. Do you, do you have a relationship with Christ? If you don't, in the next 10 minutes as we're praying, I'm going to sing a song. We'll end with a song. Maybe I don't know how we'll do the end, but here's what we're going to do. We're just going to spend some time in prayer together. If you want to pray with somebody, get up and go and pray with them. But today, I want to focus just our time of prayer on our relationship that we have with God. Thank Him. Sit at the cross and look at that cross and recognize what He went through for you, for me. And when you acknowledge it, know this, no one can ever take it away. No one can ever take it away. Father, we come before you today. Thank you, God, for just reminding us the sacrifice. Thank you, God, for reminding us the extent that you went to bring us to a place of repentance, to bring us to a place where we acknowledge that we can't do it on our own, that we have to have you, and that your love was so great that you did it even before we chose. You did it to give us the opportunity to choose. You, the right road. And so, Lord, thank you, God, for giving us our title, but God, for those of us in this room that have done it, thank you, God, for giving us the wherewithal to give the title back to you. I pray, Lord, that in this time that we're going to spend in prayer individually. And if we're praying with somebody, that's fine. But if we're praying together, I'm going to just ask that you, you focus it on the cross. You focus it on your thankfulness to the Lord. Consider what he did for you and what he did for me.